0: Okay. Um, Well, this morning uh, we're going to be talking about the church. And uh, the title of the message is, What Is the Church? I think what this clip kind of portrays for us is uh, maybe a common perception of what it means to be the church or what the church is. I think there are a lot of us out there who, when we think about church, what we think about is it's a place that you come to. It's a building where you would come and you would gather And um, that's kind of the the mental image in our mind. And um, maybe the church is, is doing like a Christmas pageant or an Easter play or something like that. And so, you know, for the average person coming, they would come to this place that's called church, and you would sit, and while a few people up on stage would kind of entertain you or put on some sort of a show or production, you would be sitting out there kind of taking it in. Or if it was more of a typical traditional Sunday, then, you know, you would hear some music, some worship music up on the stage, and then you'd hear a message from someone. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, I think that, that what it means when you go and you experience church is kind of a one way exchange in a lot of ways. That, um, that there's one person or a small team of people that are kind of, You know, either, either entertaining you or, um, or teaching you or challenging you or whatever, and you kind of take it in. I think that's a lot of, a lot of the way people think that that's what really church is all about. And, um, the question that's before us this morning, is that really what church is? Is that what church is all about? And, uh, that was kind of what I embarked on this week trying to, trying to figure out. And specifically, the question that I was after is, um, what does the Bible have to say? About church, uh, what can we learn from the Bible about what it means to be the church? And so, um, if you're following along uh, doing the New Testament challenge, where we were trying to read through the Bible in uh, in 70 days, you got one of those blue bookmarks. Uh, we actually it was great for me because uh, part of the assignment this past week was to read through the Book of Acts, and so I actually read through the entire Book of Acts this week. And um, the reason that that um, that was so fitting is because if you're not too familiar with the Bible. In the New Testament, there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And those are the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and then the book right after that, the next book is the book of Acts. And the book of Acts tracks with those followers of Jesus after he appeared to them and what they did. It's, this, it's the history of the early church. It's the history of the first followers of Jesus Christ, and it's a, it's a fascinating read. And so I just kind of started in Acts chapter 1, and I just went all the way through to the end of Acts. And I was trying to figure out, okay, what does Acts tell us about the church? What does it mean to be the church? And this word kept hitting me as, uh, as I was reading through. There's a word that repeats over and over again in the book of Acts. And that word is witness. Witness or witnesses and uh, it was curious to me i'll just share a, a few of the scriptures with you um Acts 2.32. Many of you know that uh, Acts chapter 2 is a very famous passage because the, uh, the the followers of Jesus are there and they're praying and, like, the Spirit of God just comes upon them and and the place is shaken and they start speaking all these different languages and it's just this amazing thing that happens and there's this massive crowd of people that gathers around and they're trying to figure out, like, are these people drunk? What's going on? This is crazy. And uh, Peter gets up and says, we're not drunk. It's only 9 a.m. Come on. But, um... He says, they, he starts to explain to them um, about Jesus and, and telling them, like, Jesus was God. And so he goes to this whole big deal, and it gets down to Acts 2.32, just giving you the Cliff Notes version. Uh, but basically comes to the point, he says, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact A chapter later, um, there's a crippled beggar who gets healed. And as a result of the healing, there's this, again, a crowd of people that gather around and they're in disbelief. And, uh, and those first followers addressed the crowd once again. And, um, you know, I don't know how they did on d- diplomacy because it's a Jewish crowd and maybe some of the folks that had actually been screaming for Jesus to be crucified and for Barabbas to be released just, uh, just weeks earlier. But, uh, again, n- not big marks for diplomacy here, but look what they said. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One, talking about Jesus, and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. And then in Acts chapter 5, this time the stakes are even higher. Now uh, there's a group of, of the uh, first followers of Jesus who are before the Sanhedrin. This was like the ruling body of the, the Jewish nation. Uh, these guys were like the elders. These were like, the, they they called the shots, man. Like they made the big decisions. And so they're before the Sanhedrin who's accusing them of blasphemy. That's saying a person is God. This is crazy. And so, again, they just just came right at it. And they said, the God of our fathers, this is uh, verses uh, 5, verses 30 through 32. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. And again, here's the word. We are witnesses of these things. And so on and on as you read through the book of Acts, many of you guys who've been doing this New Testament challenge, you might have noticed this word that came up over and over. We're witnesses. They were witnesses. That's what was going on in the early church. But here's what got me about this re- repetition. It was actually the very first time it was used in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus, uh, he's been crucified, okay? And he's he's risen from the dead and he's been appearing over a period of many days. He's been appearing to his followers. And this is kind of the last documented appearance. And the final appearance, his final words that he says to them. He says in Acts 1.8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So for the, for the first followers of Jesus Christ, for the early church in the book of Acts, they literally were called by Jesus to be his witnesses. They literally were eyewitnesses. They had walked with Jesus, right? And they had now seen him appear to them resurrected. So they were, they were basically called to go out and, and to testify that, you know, that, that Jesus was alive, that Jesus was really the Son of God. They, that was their role. They were a witness for Jesus Christ. That role, you guys, hasn't changed in 2,000 years. It's the exact same role for us today. And if you'd like to fill in, there's only one this morning, uh, and that is this. The church today, the same as it was back then, the church is a witness the church is a witness we are a witness for Jesus Christ now obviously it's a it's a, in a different sense today than it was 2000 years ago because we're not literally witnesses i don't know i mean maybe there are some people in here who like jesus has appeared resurrected jesus has like appeared to you but i haven't heard of anyone telling me anything about it so and i would appreciate being included in if that happens to you just just so you know so you know we haven't we're not literal eyewitnesses as they were back then, we can't literally do what they did in Acts 4.33, which reads, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. We haven't seen Jesus, but we are still witnesses, and here's how we're witnesses. We are still witnesses to the greatest message ever proclaimed in the history of the world. And that message is that no matter what you have done in your life, no matter what your past looks like, no matter your deepest regret, no matter how badly you've blown it or how you view yourself, you don't have to worry about how you stand with God. That's the whole message. Jesus Christ came to this earth and lived a life that none of us is capable of living lived a perfect sinless blameless life and died on a cross for the forgiveness of all sins and that if we would have faith in Jesus Christ our sins are completely forgiven we are made we are made righteous in the eyes of God and we don't have to worry about where we stand anymore that message is the greatest message of love and hope that has ever been proclaimed and that is what we, today, the church, this church, still is witness to. Now, not just, it's not just a witness in terms of words, okay? It's, it's, it's much more than that. And that's what we're going to look at for the rest of today. It, the, the witness that Jesus really intends for his church to be about, yes, it's got to be proclaimed using our words, but it's much more than that. It's our actions, and and Jesus knew this. I believe that he was trying to drive this point home to his church, to his first followers. In in the Gospel of John, John chapter 13. John 13, uh, it, it's basically the start of Jesus last night. It's documenting Jesus last night with his disciples. Jesus wanted to drive home such a teachable moment for his disciples that if you remember the story, they're gathered together in the upper room. And they're getting ready to have their last meal together. And Jesus knows this. And so he says, okay, I'm going to do something that's just going to stick with them for the rest of their days. And here is this esteemed teacher, this esteemed rabbi, who in that culture was just like so far, like revered, and just, just I mean, just even just being a, a rabbi, let alone the fact that he was a son of God, would have just been like so far above these guys. And what did he do? He took off his outer robe wrapped a servant's towel around his waist and proceeded to wash the feet of his disciples, every single last one of them. And when he finished washing all the muck and the grime off of the the feet of those men, he stood back up and he said to them, Now listen, what I've just done for you, you now need to go and do for one another. A few verses later he says these words, and this is really the heart of what he's getting at. He says, John 13, 34 through 35, telling his disciples, Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. See, here's the, the reality that Jesus knew. Okay? Jesus knew that his disciples from from here on out could go and they could proclaim to every single person that they ran into for the rest of their life. They could go up on the mountaintop and they could shout till they were blue in the face, Jesus died for you, God loves you, put your faith in him, he's the Lord, this was actually God who came down earth. They could share that message with every single person they encountered. And it would be an empty witness if their actions didn't line up with their words you ever heard the expression talk is cheap well it's not in the bible but i kind of feel like jesus in a a sense like he kind of for me it's like it's exactly what he's saying i wish it was in there but it's not so anyway it's cool but uh but basically that's his point do you see talk is cheap you guys you can go and you can share and you can be eyewitnesses like you can go all, all over the place telling people but if you if you're just sharing a message of love with your mouth and you're not actually embodying the message of love, if you're not actually loving each other, if you're not actually out there loving and serving other people, it's going to ring hollow. It's not going to be something that people can fully grasp and understand and believe in. And, you know, the reason that the early church was so effective was because they got this point. The reason that they were so effective is because they radically lived this out. They radically loved each other. They radically loved and served other people. Uh, Acts 2.42-47 is a a very familiar passage for some of us. But it speaks to, even if you've heard it, just just let it wash over you again. It speaks to just how much they grasped this idea that it was beyond just just talking about this message of love, and they really were living it out. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All of the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I've read that passage so many times, but uh, something that that just jumped out at me uh, just this past week was, was in verse 44, where it says, All the believers we together. And something just clicked for me about this. They were all together. They were all in. Every single one of them was involved in what was going on. So think about it. It wasn't just like Peter and, and James and John, you know, like kind of the, the anointed leaders. It wasn't just a few of them like going out and, and healing everyone and appearing before these crowds and, and, you know, reaching out and doing kind of all the, the work. And then, you know, like then on Sunday, then all the believers would come together and like they'd just have a church service and they'd just hang out and hear a sermon. No, 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 no. That wasn't it at all. Every single person was involved, everyone understood that they had a role to play as part of this movement. And what, what just I believe to the core of my being. It's kind of the takeaway for for us. For this church, I believe that for this church to truly be all it can be, for Grace Community Church to realize its full potential as a church that is the hope of the world, every single one of us is going to play a role in that. Every single one of us is called to be involved. I want to share um, one more scripture with you. Um, it's from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. Many of you have heard 1 Corinthians 13. That's like the love chapter that's read at all the weddings and everything. Um, this is the chapter before it, and Paul is actually addressing the church in Corinth. That's where we get the, the, the name of the letter being 1 Corinthians. So he's writing to one of these early churches, and, uh, and the church is like, man, it hasn't been going a long time, and it's already pretty screwed up which is kind of reassuring to, to us in some ways. So, um, so Paul's writing to the church, and they're having divisions, and there's power plays going on, and certain people think they're just sweet, and other people think... You, I mean, it's just it's crazy. There's just all these factions going on. And so Paul's writing to, to address many things, but one of the things that he talks about is he's writing this letter. He's a very, very smart guy and inspired by God, as he wrote. And he was trying to get them to see... That, that the church involves everybody. That the church is actually the body of Christ, because you see, Jesus Christ is no longer on the earth, right? But now, because His Spirit kind of dwells in those who believe in Him, in a sense, now His body is now here, but it's represented among all that believe in Him. And so, he's talking about how, how the church is like the body of Christ. And so, he, he gives this, this great explanation. He says, look guys, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13, he says, the body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts and though all its parts are many they form one body so it is with Christ for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body and then skip into verse 27 he says now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Let me say that again. Now you are the body of Christ. He's addressing the whole church. He's addressing every single person there at Corinth. And he says, and each one of you is a part of it. Essentially, one of the things that he's addressing there is to try and get these guys to see that every single one of them plays a role in the church truly being the church that God has called it to be. Each one of us here in this room, whether we realize it or not, is called to play a role. Now, it doesn't always have to be some major formal role with a title attached to it, but every single one of us has a role to play. For some of us, it can be literally as subtle and as simple as just saying hi to someone in your road, just smiling at someone. You know, don't don't do that right now because that'll kind of creep you know someone out. If you look over and someone's smiling at you, but so don't do that. But, but, and you might be thinking, well, that's crazy. I mean, how is that a role? How does that how does that work in this whole process? You know, of the church being a witness. Well, let me let me share a story with you. I kind of close with the story. Um, so we have uh, someone who uh, just. Man, I I got to know uh, pretty early on at Grace. Her name is Michelle Wells. Some of you guys uh, know her because you've been in community group with her or have done some of the the various activities we do around here with her. But um, she came to Grace less than a year ago and has uh, since moved to New York City and um she was she came into uh to the office and sat down with me for one of our next step meetings where that's where you you can sign up for a one-on-one meeting with someone on staff to kind of talk about how you can take a next step and get a little closer to god and so part of what we do in that meeting is we just get a chance to get to know you and your story and your journey and so she was sharing with me and she said i could i could share this with you guys um but basically she said okay well um here's the deal. I, I grew up and like, I mean, I just had a totally messed up understanding of who God is. I, I just kind of saw God as this like angry, wrathful thing. And, and I didn't have any sort of relationship with God. And I mean, it, the more she talked to I was, it was starting to screw me up. So, I mean, it was, it was, you know, it was pretty wild. And, um, she, she shared, though, that, like, you know, she, she came to Grace. She wasn't a regular church attender. She's just kind of been a spiritual person looking for meaning. And she started coming to Grace on Sundays, and then she took a step, and she started getting involved in community group. And um, she just met a number of people at Grace who um, just kind of, they weren't, they weren't anything particularly, like, special necessarily, but just a group of people that were committed to supporting her as she was uh, as she was doing her journey. And so uh, one of the things I love about community groups is that they're a place where you can express doubts and ask questions and struggle and kind of wrestle a little bit. And, uh, and th- the value that I always try and uphold to all of our groups and group leaders is that uh, you can just, you'll be honored, you'll be respected for just kind of where you are. You won't be given a cheap answer to your million-dollar question. And so she just had a group of people around her who just kind of lovingly tried to support her and help her to understand who God was. And uh, over a, a number of months, uh, she was growing and learning and came to a place where she shared with me. She said, Derek, I, I came to a place where I just, like, I got it. And I put my faith in Jesus Christ as my Savior. And, um, and it just lit up her world. And I'm not saying that it always works that way, okay? Like, you know, it doesn't always work that we put our faith in Christ and all of a sudden, woo, we're just, like, flying and it's just incredible. You know, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not always that way. But for her, it was. And it was just a treat to get to see how much joy and gratitude fills her life because she she gets it she she deeply understands you know how much God loves her that God's crazy about her and um, and so um, you know we were talking about all these things and it was just it was a neat time and I was thinking about how you know how the, her group members played a role you know they didn't maybe even realize how much of a role they played but they were a huge part of her being able to grasp who God is and come to faith in Jesus Christ. Um, but what just really blew me away, actually, was she shared with me um, the very first Sunday that she came to Grace. And um, it's kind of funny. She said, I came in and, you know, I would kind of found it online or whatever. It seemed pretty cool. So, um, you know, she's one of those cool young professional type people. You guys know who those people are. Anyway, so, um, so she comes in and... Um, She's like, you know, no offense to the music team or anything, but it just wasn't doing it for me, you know, I just, I was like, uh, you know, and I was waiting for the message, you know, waiting for the sermon, and so she said, and then it gets to the sermon, and she said, and it was just terrible, just awful, she said, so I didn't, I wasn't offended, because of course I knew, you know, who was preaching that day, you know, um, so I was like, it's cool, you know, um. She, and, and, like, it wasn't even like it was boring or something. I mean, she, she had, like, took some offense to something. Like, it was, it was bad. It was bad for her. So she's getting to the end of the service, and it's just like, she's done, man. You know, like, forget it. And this wasn't like she's, like, church shopping and going to different churches every week. This is like, you know, I go to church maybe a couple times a year to try, check this thing out, and then I get discouraged, and I just say, forget the whole thing. And uh, so she's getting ready to leave. And as she's getting ready to leave, Someone just like right around her in the sea of people just kind of says, hey, how are you? Um, And just give her a smile. And and just, you know, she just started engaging her in this conversation. And, of course, I love stories, and so I'm like, I'm probing. You know, I'm like the CNN investigator. I'm like, okay, cool, what was she talking about that was so amazing, you know? And uh, she's like, I don't even remember who it was. I don't remember the conversation. I think we were talking about, like, where are you from or, you know, something just totally irrelevant. She's like, but you know what? That was enough for me. She said, Derek, in that moment, I just realized, like, you know, there's some pretty cool people here. And um, I think I need to give this another shot. And what just struck me about that is that that one person, just by simply recognizing that they see a face that maybe of a person who looks new or looks a little lost or whatever, took ownership realize that they play a role it's not just these people who are up here on this stage playing it's not just the person who's giving the message but that we are all called that we are all witnesses to the love of jesus christ and that if it hadn't been for that one person she was she was ready to walk man she was ready to walk you know and i was also thinking uh you know And if it hadn't been, like, if there had been no greeters at the front door at all, like, and she hadn't been able to get a program, she might not have even come for, for the service at all. You know, and if there hadn't been a setup team that had put out all these chairs, she wouldn't have had anywhere to sit. If there hadn't been a breakdown team to take them away, we'd been kicked out of key school. (laughs) And we wouldn't be here anyway. You know, and if, and if we didn't have, like, all the the army of volunteers working with our family ministries, with our kids downstairs, there'd have been kids just climbing over the walls and destroying all of us it would have been chaos and you know so the point is that every single one of us in some small way is contributing and is playing a role and and ultimately impacting lives just like the lives of michelle and so um i guess what i'm trying to illustrate to you is that if you're here this morning and you consider grace your church then guess what? You are called to play a role here. It could be very subtle. It could just be as simple as like, wow, the light bulb went on for me. I just realized that it's not just about, you know, cheering for the worship and wow, that was so great and, and, and thinking, wow, that was a great sermon and maybe, maybe I'll even say something encouraging, you know, at the end of the service. No, no, no. That a light bulb went on for you and you realize, you know, part of just how I conduct myself here in this space, how I might greet someone or whatever, um, helps the church to be a witness, helps the church to truly proclaim and live out this incredible message. So for some of you, it might be very informal, okay? Especially if you're just brand new, like it's your first time or your second time here or whatever. But I also, I'm a a very practical guy. And so uh, I I don't want to kind of, try and raise a bar and and try and get you guys inspired or excited and not give you a practical takeaway to try and do something. So here's the deal. Um, If you're feeling like, oh, man, I kind of feel like he's speaking to me right now because I've been here for a while and I've been saying we need to get involved and do something, but I haven't really figured out what that thing is, um, well, I'm going to give you an opportunity to take a step, to play a role. And if, if you turn around right now, and you look on that back wall, you probably saw it when you came in, but there's a huge red uh, area back there, and there are 19 different opportunities for you to be able to, right now, to get involved and to play a role. Now, these are more of the formal roles, okay? So I'm not saying every single person needs to go back there, but let me just give you, let me just give you a few uh, uh, things what we're talking about back there so you don't get overwhelmed. There's basically four categories, okay? The first one is our teams. We have a whole ton of different volunteer teams that basically help put Sundays together, Sunday services together, and all the different things that we're doing in the community and outreach and all kinds of stuff like that, okay? Ten of those teams are up there uh, right now that that would love to have you jump in and give them a hand. And just for kind of some, some worthless trivia, do you guys know about how many volunteers it takes to make an average Sunday service go? Not not staff, okay? Not staff. How many volunteers? Just shout out a number. Seven hundred. It's actually seven thousand. No, um, um, it's uh, it's actually seventy-five people for an average Sunday. For a Sunday like this, when we're not doing anything, you know, crazy, um, seventy-five people. There's thirty in our kids ministry alone. So, if you think about that. Um, those 75 people, it's not just like there's 75 people involved because that's every single Sunday. So um, anyway, all those teams go into making this church what it is. So if you're interested in getting involved in one of those teams, um, they will go with what you can do with your schedule and everything's very flexible and, and cool like that. So, so you can sign up on the, kind of that, that first section over there. The second thing is our groups. So we do something, it might be referred to at other churches, small groups, cell groups. We call them community groups. They're basically uh, opportunities for 7 to 12 people to come together and to focus on God and to pray. A lot of them are doing some sort of Bible study. And it's just a chance, just like how Michelle was able to do it, to be able to wrestle and struggle and, and express your concerns and your doubts and, and, and to kind of come together and to try and learn more about God. And so if you're interested in that, we've got community groups that meet on Tuesday and Wednesday night. If you want you to sign up, I'll follow up with you and find kind of the right one that will work for you. We also have uh, prayer groups that meet Tuesday and Thursday nights, and I would encourage you. Uh, that's another option there. Um, the, the third one is missions. So we do all kinds of outreach. If you've been coming to Grace for a while, you know we're doing a million and one different things. Um, we've got three um, just opportunities that are happening right now that you can get involved with from like a trip to Appalachia that's happening next week. So, you know, I'm trying to give you stuff that you can do right now if you're motivated and you feel like God is talking at you. And then the last category is probably my favorite one. Uh, that's the I'm not sure category. Um, you just kind of feel like, oh, I don't know, man. I, I You know, I feel like I should do something, but I don't know. Um, You can schedule, as I talked about, we do these next step meetings. It's an hour one-on-one with a staff person to kind of talk about where you are in your relationship with God and and some ideas for getting closer to God. And along the way, you know, figuring out maybe what would work well for you in terms of serving or getting involved in community. So you can sign up for one of those and we'll get that scheduled for you. Or um, maybe you're the kind of person that you're just like, I just want to be where the need is the greatest, man. Like, just put me wherever. I'm like, you know, just I'm like the Rambo. Just come, just bring me in there, and I'll do something. Well, then you can sign up over there, too. You, there's just put me wherever you need me. So um, there's 19 different opportunities back there, and hopefully they give you a variety because we're not all obviously called to do the same thing. So uh, we're not going to do a final song this morning. Actually, uh, what we're going to do is that we're just going to uh, say a word of prayer and then I'm going to dismiss you. For those who feel led to, to go back there, feel free to jump back and, and sign up for something. So if you would pray with me, that would be great. God, thank you for, um, for your church. Thank you for allowing us to all be a part of it. Lord, thank you for the reminder that the church is actually the body of Jesus Christ uh, kind of representing you, Jesus, now that you're not here anymore. We are your new witnesses. Lord, just help us. Help us to be an effective witness to the greatest message of love and hope that has ever been spoken. Lord, and help us not just to, to share that with our mouths, but to live it out, to live out a message of love and of service and of hope. Lord, my prayer is that every single person here would somehow be able to grasp that for, for your church to be everything it can be involved, every single one of us realizing that we play a role that we are part of a redemptive process that ultimately involves you, but starts with us. So Lord, just speak to everyone here and show them, God, how they play a role in your church. We thank you, God, not just for the fact that you sent your Son to die for us, to redeem us, to remind us that you're absolutely crazy about us, God, but that you wouldn't even stop there, but you would then allow us to kind of be a vehicle, to be a witness for you, just proclaiming this incredible message. Lord, we thank you for that privilege. In Christ's name, amen.